This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Podcast Bookers, podcastbookers.com. Podcasts are really hot, right? But you know what's also really hot? Appearing as a guest on one of the many, many podcasts out there. Think about it. Much easier than writing a guest blog post. You get some high-quality content. You get great backlinks. People want to share that content. Maybe you can even transcribe that content. Being a guest on podcasts, getting yourself booked on podcasts is a really, really great SEO tactic, great brand-building tactic. Podcast bookers can get you booked on two to three to four podcasts every single month on autopilot. Go check it out, podcastbookers.com. Welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. My guest today is Brad Baus. He is the co-founder of Lightboard, a service that is, he may he may change this intro, but it is, uh, in my opinion, trying to kind of democratize um, small business design or design in general, graphic design in general for businesses of all sizes. So, uh, Brad, thanks for joining Thanks, John. Happy to be here. We uh, we like to say that everyone deserves great design. Yeah. So so does democratize? Is that a good word, or is that uh, um, not not fit what what your sort of vibe is? <laughs> well, hey, we don't want to politicize design. <laughs> um, I think making uh, th- there's a lot of um, you know lack of transparency in graphic design and and availability, and we're trying to make it. Give some of that retail simplicity to getting graphic design and great design for small businesses. Yeah, I, I think a lot. You know, this has been a challenge for a lot of businesses, the, particularly as they've been able to access more design. I mean, in the old days, of course, you found a graphic designer in your town, and that's who you worked with. But now that it's really easy to find talent all over the world, uh, I think a lot of people have kind of tried to crack this. In fact, I. I worked with, um, uh, you and I were talking off air, uh, I worked with HP years ago. They were trying to do uh, this, believe it or not, and bought up a couple of companies. I think one was called LogoWorks that was trying to do this kind of online design thing. Have, has something changed? Because as I said, a couple of people have tried and failed. Has something changed that has made your approach um, maybe uh, more uh, something that's that's going to take off? Well, certainly the internet makes it easier to work with somebody that you you haven't seen and you haven't met. Uh, when I was starting as a freelancer like 20 years ago, the advice was, you know, you got to meet everybody in person. You're really not going to be able to make any real money until you have handshake agreements and see eye to eye. And that really seems kind of quaint now. Uh, even us as a as a you know business doing, we've, we have uh, you know a few several hundred customers, and most of them we've never met. We just have phone calls with. I think just having the digital world of collaboration over the over the internet does make that easier. Um, with the design, a lot a big part of it is actually it's not finding a good designer. It's it's uh, having a good design process uh, to be able to get a good final result. And that's a, I think the big thing that we focus on is doing account management and doing all of the process steps to connect you with a good designer to actually deliver a good. Uh, both a good initial project and then really be more your design partner over a period of time. So I've worked with small business owners for years and, and this, you know, this idea of branding, you know, kind of got, I don't know, I was going to say second fill, but it might've been third or third or fourth, you know, that uh, <laughs> because so many small businesses 
did business with the people they met. I mean, in a lot of ways, that was their brand. Uh, but I think in the online world where it's shoppers, buyers now go out there and do a lot of homework before they decide to even pick up the phone and call or send an email. Um, I think the idea of the role of branding in the small business has become maybe more important uh, than ever. Uh, so, so how do you talk to small business owners about that idea of, of, a, of a brand? Well, the, the easiest way to describe it is that now your ads and your website show up right next to something from Apple or Nike or any of the brands that have billion-dollar budgets to spend on marketing. Yeah. can't have your 13-year-old nephew making making your logo anymore and think that that's going to stand up. It's really it's very obvious when people haven't spent the money to, to deliver quality branding. So... Let's get a baseline. In your in your view, if somebody was uh, a, a potential customer was confused about a brand being this or that, how, how would you describe a brand and the role that it plays and the role that design plays um, in kind of developing or shaping a brand? I, I think the the biggest misconception around uh, a brand is that a brand is actually the logo, and you think that it's just the logo. Once you got a good logo, everything else is set. And really, uh, in, in design world, a brand is much is called like an identity. It's really the entire look and feel of a brand. So it's the logo, it's the word mark, it's the colors that go with it, it's the sense that the brand's supposed to relay to you, whether it's uh, you know clean and crisp and modern, or if it's folksy or whatever it is. Um, there's a whole set um, a toolkit that comes with a brand to really have something polished and developed. And I think that's one of the challenges, too, because ultimately, especially in the online world, I think, where maybe that's going to be the own exposure, it's kind of got to say something, right? It's got to make a promise, um, even if it's unspoken. Certainly. And uh, and creating that brand and logo is one of the most stressful things for most uh, small business owners because – well, if you need a logo, you probably need a lot of things, and it probably means you're starting out. And this is, in a lot of cases, like it's something that really crunches into your your overhead of, oh man, now I've got to spend money on a designer in addition to all this other stuff. Uh, yeah. So it's it, it's a very um, it's a very strong statement that you have to make and commitment to saying that this is what my brand's going to look look like. Something that's really important about a brand, especially as you look at if, if you look about around wherever you are right now, you'll see a lot of logos that you've probably overlooked dozens of times in your life. I'm looking at the Apple logo, but logo itself is really simple. It gets burnished over time with all the other things that you do to your brand uh, when you're communicating with your customers. Yeah, I guess I guess the ultimate is that it's just recognized to stand for something, and that's all. Like you said, that's that's culture, that's your press. I mean, that's pretty much everything that builds your reputation around that. So, what are if if somebody came to you and said, okay, we're kind of just getting started. I remember when I did, you need a logo, you need business cards, you need letterhead, but you know that that kind of suite of must-haves that you know all should blend together and support the brand. I mean, what, what do you, what do you think the kind of the bare minimum uh, elements in a kind of a brand identity kit need to be these days? Uh, well, good. Uh, so they're called brand guidelines documents and a good brand guidelines will have uh, your logo, which is going to be something graphical. Um, and then a word mark, which will be the name of your brand typed out in some, uh, in, in some typography that may not literally be just, typed out in uh, Gotham or something like that. 
Uh, and then colors and typography. So you'd want to know what the, the key color that you want to associate with your brand is and then a complementary color. And typography is, uh, you know, what your headlines look like and what your body copy look like. And really with just those elements, you have a pretty good toolkit to start doing other things. A more expansive brand guidelines would have photography and a few statements about like what the, you know, what the brand is about and what it feels like. Um, and some other direction as to how to how to use the brand elements. I think when you're looking at a logo, you want to know that you have something that will, there are a lot of ways that it has to look uh, like on a business card or letterhead or a window uh, where you, you don't want to have too many colors. You want to make sure that it looks good on white, on dark. Uh, if you have color treatment that it, it can transfer to different sizes and things like that. So let's talk about um, design and graphics for content. Uh, content's become such an important part of how somebody gets a message out. And I guess I'm talking about not just the, the homepage, but you know, ongoing mm-hmm. content, content we put in social media. Um, how, do, how do companies, you know, a lot of people just pick, they either do no, you know, maybe no graphics or they just, the graphic idea of the day <laughs> that they put in there. You know, how do you, how do you come up with a consistent approach to design for what I think are the, you know, greater needs for content. Well, I mean, the, the, the two ways that everybody does is either stock photography or illustration. Um, stock can be fine. It can be very cost effective. It, there are a number of services where you can get, well, Pexels is where you can get images for free that are really, Pexels and Unsplash, where they're really great. Um, and uh, there's no licensing fee at all. Um, the problem with stock is normally that it doesn't really feel very personalized to your brand. Um, if you, it's kind of a very cost-effective way of personalizing stock photography is adding a, a graphical treatment on it, either a way of doing a duotone, like a color treatment, or some other uh, graphical accessory. Really, that's pretty straightforward. Once you find the look that you like, you can the designer can spend five minutes to treat a photo uh, to give it a little bit of a custom look. Um, what I like is illustration. Uh, there are a lot of really great illustrators out in the world that can define a style for you and illustrate every one of your blog posts or social media or share images um, to give it a unique feel. Um, you have the most opportunity for branding and creating a, a standing out from the crowd with illustration. Yeah, it's funny, those stock, even on services like Unsplash, like you said, I, I really am a big fan of those, but it just seems like there are a few of those photos you, you go around the web and you go, I've seen that before. <laughs> Everybody seems to be using yeah. that, that one to emote this you know, idea. <laughs> It's crazy. There's a there's a one guy that's a really remarkable looking. He has a big red beard and a, a kind of a red pompadour. And I've seen him advertise like twelve different brands. And it's it's hard to really feel like you're unique when you have a same stock photo for that everybody else is using. He's he's got that kind of uh, um, Hollywood hipster look or something. Uh, yeah, you know the guy. <laughs> so let's talk about return on investment because I think that's one of the hard sells sometimes. Somebody says, oh, you know, I've got PowerPoint templates. They, they get my message across. Why would I spend $500? I mean, how do I know if I'm getting a return on, you know, an investment of having uh, somebody, you know, create this? And, and again, I'm, I'm just 
sort of being facetious, uh, sort of not. I mean, it's it, that's a hard sell for somebody sometimes. So, you know, how do how do you overcome that objection? I I know there are lots of examples of people that spend mightily on design and you look at them and you're like, wow, that's a great brand. Uh, but I think sometimes a small business owner looks at it as just an expense. Well, it really depends on, on the type of, uh, the type of company that it, that it is. If it is a brand where service or quality is important, having something that backs that up in every way that the brand is represented is vital about is a vital way to create that trust with your customer. Um, if you do have a brand that's, you know, fairly commoditized and you just need to be the, the first one in the phone book, then maybe design isn't the most important part of your business. Uh, if you do have a brand where you want people to, to have that sense of trust and, um, for you as a the company owner to be able to justify whatever, whatever margin you're charging on, on your services over, over the commodity, I think that design helps tell that story in a compelling way. Well, and I think trust is such a huge issue today because in many cases, I mean, people pull out their phone and they search and uh, you know, they're going to they're going to make some decisions based on very few data points. Um, and so, right. you know, trust that might come through design, it doesn't have to overwhelm somebody, but it has to really work and be it has to be part of the user journey. Yeah, I mean, if you if you click on a site and it looks like everything's stock, uh, like stock photos, stock illustration, it doesn't look very original. It looks like, you know, you don't know if a robot put the site together or if there's a real human behind it. You might not want to call or really when you have that first engagement with the brand, you're really not sure if it's it's for real for us. A lot of our customers, because there are other design services online, there are a lot of services that use overseas talent um, mm-hmm. that aren't aren't really the the quality of work that that we deliver. For us, we put our faces and the work that we've done with customers up front, so people can see that we're we're the real deal. And I think that that's helped uh, both screen out a lot of customers we don't necessarily want to work with or aren't ready for design that we do. And start the conversations that we do have off on a lot better foot, that they're ready, they, they know that we're for real and uh, have a good sense of the quality of work that we do. So I, I think one of your challenges probably has been, I shouldn't put words in your mouth, so I'll try to ask this instead of stating it, <laughs> but uh, you, know, you, you have to obviously find great designers uh, who can work in your process, but then there's a technology aspect that I think you've had to solve to make it a great user experience as well. Uh, has one of those been harder than the other or has that, how has that complicated your journey? <laughs> Boy, asking me, asking a, a guy who runs a startup about problems. That's a, <laughs> how long, how long your podcast is. Uh, um, the, the certainly finding great designers is a challenge um, for Finding a good designer, it's a lot about finding the right fit for the project and the workflow. Um, there's a lot of very talented designers out there. The collaboration part is, uh, from my, my own background, is that I started out as a designer and then switched to working in startups and spent most of my time working on collaborative software. I worked at Genie and then Yammer, uh, where we helped uh, people, office places, collaborate together. So kind of figuring out how to define a process for um, for a design project has been a challenge, um, and then how to do that thousands and thousands of times. Um, it's been really 
great for us to see how quickly we can onboard a new designer now into the system and how intuitive it feels for the designers and the customers to go from creating a, a, a project request to a brief to the first round of revision to a complete project and a happy, happy customer. Um, I think that the design process is pretty opaque to the outside, you know, to a, to somebody new to design. And that's really where we spend a lot of our time. It's not just communicating to customers, this is the design that we're going to do for you, but this is the process of design. When you see the first round, it's not finished. You know, there's still a lot of work that we can do on it and communicating the possibilities of design as well as the process has been probably our biggest challenge. Uh, particularly for people that are working with professional design for the first time. Yeah. So tell me about your matching process then. So a project comes in uh, because I've, I've used your interface. So you have a, a, a brief like a lot of uh, folks you know, who have done anything with design. You, somebody tells you about the project. How do you get that to the right person? Right. Well, so the thing that's, that's different about our service is that we give every customer an account manager. So uh, when you create a project, I, I saw that that you you happened to create one earlier today. Yeah, I had to try it uh, Devin, out. Devin, yeah, well, you know, you, the proof is in the pudding. So uh, Devin will be your account manager on that project. Devin has, is an experienced design manager, and he is the one that you're primarily interfacing with. And he's, he'll just, have start the conversation. I'm just warning you, he's probably going to quit because this project will just kill him <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that is certainly something that we screen for is temperament <laughs> and making sure that uh, uh, I, uh, Devin has the compassion of a saint. Right. So <laughs> that's, a, that's an important aspect of, of this. It's not just a, a lot of customers feel like, oh, it has to be like this amazing out-of-the-box design thinker genius. And really, it's, it's a lot more about making the, building the communication and the relationship between the customer and the designer. So Devin will field the project. He'll, he'll, he'll do a little conversation to kind of get the, the, the look and feel that you're going for. And then once he has a good sense of that, he'll uh, choose a designer from our network that has design like that in uh, their portfolio that is kind of a good match for the style. Um, you know, design is a little bit like a restaurant of like the type of type of design that you're, you're uh, targeting and what you like and what fits your brand will have uh, their designers that specialize. What would be your advice to somebody coming to a light board or really any designer? How, what's, what's a few things that would help them get a more efficient process, a better end product? Because I, I, I'm sure if somebody shows up and says, I want a website and I'll know, I'll know what, it, you know, I'll know it when I see it, you know, that's probably not going to work. Right. Right. Well, for us, uh, you know, we have to, we, we, we do have to hedge what it's going to cost to get a finished product, uh, to you. So, um, you as a customer want uh, a retail experience. You want to say, I want a new website and I want to pay a thousand dollars for it. That's it. Or I want to pay $500 for it. I want to pay $5,000 for it. And you want it, you want to kind of be able to just pull it off the shelf and have it done. And we want to be able to deliver that, but we also have to hedge all that risk of like, Oh shoot, how many revisions are we going to do? And how long is this process? And is this guy going to be such a terror that, uh, that all my entire team is going to quit before we get the finished product. Um, so what you can do as a customer is be pretty prepared for the project and clear about what you want 
Um, we like to look for reference images, uh, you know, uh, kind of other material that starts a design conversation, the design language. It doesn't have to be um, all things that you've made for your brand, but to have two or three sites that you really love give us uh, a way of triangulating kind of what your taste is like. Uh, that's a great way of starting. Um, the other part of it is to really understand that design is, is much more of a conversation and a relationship than a transactional uh, process. So to understand like the phases of, of a project where it goes from rough draft to finish and that uh, when you see the first draft, your you know constructive feedback is the most valuable thing that you can deliver. Um, as opposed to a vague, I'll know it when I see it. It's that's that that is definitely something that we get from time to time, and it's it's difficult to to work around. So we kind of have to develop ways of, of teasing out the answer from our our customers. So so let's go to the flip side. How much do you have to balance um, what somebody needs versus what they want or what they say they want? I mean, I see it all the time. Somebody says, "I want," you know, my clients are all sixty years old and blah blah blah, and but I want something really splashy and colorful and and uses the latest technology. And I have to say, well, now, wait a minute, that, you know, that doesn't work. I don't think that's going to work for you. I mean, how much how much do you get involved in that, you know, giving them what they want versus what you believe they need? Uh, well, we usually have a conversation with the customer. Certainly, if uh, um, uh, while our interface is all online, we like to get on the phone with customers, especially the first time, and have kind of a reasonable conversation about what can and cannot be done. Um, if a customer really wants something that's out of scope or impractical for their customers or their brand, we'll kind of walk them through examples to get them to come to the realization that we hope that they'll, they'll land at that maybe that out-of-the-box thinking isn't really the right fit for them. Unfortunately, in the end, you know, sometimes if, if you want to get paid, <laughs> you finish the project and say, good luck. But I, I know that's always a challenge. Well, we, we, try to, we, we try not to get into, the, into that step. I and mean, one thing for, for me is, is that I did start out my career at agencies. Um, and big agencies tend to get held over the barrel by their big clients and do things like that and do things that maybe aren't in the best interest of their client or especially in, 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 uh, in advertising agencies, there's a little bit of a pulling one over on the customer. We, we try not to do that. We don't, we, we have a broad enough customer base that we try and do what's best for the customer or, or we won't, won't do it. So having said that, um, tell me if I were going to make the statement light board is best for X. Are there a couple you know, use cases or a couple types of uh, businesses that not not necessarily types, uh, but are there instances where you have found you've been the most effective uh, in terms of a working relationship? With Certainly, we, uh, we we do our best at, at B2B marketing. So uh, supporting inbound marketing where we're doing information based collateral and sales material, PDFs, case studies, eBooks, PowerPoints, landing pages, that sort of stuff where there's nice quality craftsmanship is what's uh, what's required. We usually work with marketing managers, uh, you know, a two to five person marketing team uh, at a company. What about agencies? Are you, have, have you become a des the design arm of, say, a marketing consulting practice? Certainly, uh, uh, easily a third of our business is supporting agencies where it's uh, it's a 
usually strategic or consultative agency that needs design support for their customers. And that's it's a great fit for us that they don't have to worry about going and finding freelancers. They can trust that it's a, a business-to-business relationship. Uh, our, our other tagline is always available, always awesome. So they, they know that if they promise their clients something, that we can deliver it for them. Awesome. Well, I have been a fan of Lightboard, and I will, as part of the show notes, I will uh, I will post an example of what we end up uh, finishing uh, on the project, uh, the first project uh, uh, working with Lightboard. So, uh, you know, listeners can uh, turn to the show notes and find out about Lightboard, but also see an example of a project that they completed for me. Well, so, Brad, thanks uh, for joining us, and hopefully, we'll see you out there on the road. Thank you, John. I appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about design. And it's uh, lightboard.io. But again, as I say, it will be in the show notes. And uh, in, in, in fact, uh, before I let you go, is there is there anything you want to suggest people go check out uh, besides the website? Are there any uh, resources that you want to share today? I forgot to ask you that. Well, uh, certainly our, our site, we have a, an active blog where we really focus on sharing best practices for doing design in general. And it's not just working with, uh, with us, it's working with any designer or creating compelling collateral. So that's a great place to start. Well, thanks again, Brett. And uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. And we'll have, as I said, we'll have links in, uh, in the show notes. So go check them out. Thank you. Thank you.